This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, you guys, I have Depo Aracena. He is a serial entrepreneur, and I know you're not going to believe it by how young he looks, so we're going to just jump right into some of the exciting businesses he has, everything from agriculture to the scooters that you rent, possibly the bikes that you rent, but not in this country. He does it even overseas while he's in Maryland. Depo, what's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Kellen? Appreciate you for having me with you tonight, today. Man, I appreciate you. I, I found um, out about you through a, a friend of mine, uh, another uh, super eagle, Nigerian brother. And, you know, I saw everything that you had going on with the agriculture. Can you give an introduction of, you know, what businesses you, you own or you're part of and just who you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, so from a business standpoint, we we run several businesses uh, here in the United States as well as in Africa. But bulk of our work is being done in Africa, partly because um, you know I'm a I'm a uh, I'm originally from Nigeria, and um, I have passion for developing the continent of Africa. So we've been able to start several companies in in uh, across Africa. Um, we we own. Um, an agriculture platform, tech, an agrotech platform that allows um, Africans in the diaspora to invest in agriculture back in Africa. Um, so we've been pushing that for about four years now. And then from our rice sharing platform, uh, that's something that we're actually launched, uh, that we're launching in June um, in Rwanda. So we've been able to partner with the government of Rwanda to uh, initiate the first rice sharing um, system in the entire country. So we're pretty much very excited about that initiative. Now, a lot of people, they'll say, okay, he's from Nigeria, he's living in America, and he just did a partnership in Rwanda. This are things that, you know, our, our forefathers that are over 60, with their mind will be blown because they're going to say, Depot, you're not there. They're going to steal your scooters. They're going to steal your bikes. They're going to steal everything. How are you going to manage it? Who can you trust while being in America? These are the negative things that we hear when people start talking about opening business in Africa. So answer those questions. How did that come about? So later on, our little ones can duplicate that with the support from our generation, like, and, and give that, you know, that blueprint. How did you do that? How are you going to manage it? I think those are very important and valid questions because like most people, I had those reservations as well. And as a matter of fact, um, my initial experience in doing business in Africa was complete, was a complete flop. Um, you know, got into the wrong hands, wrong business partners, lost a lot of money. And from that experience, um, I, um, I started to um, actually travel more to Africa then I, you know, to, to make sure that whatever I was involved in, I was visible. I understood the business. I knew the people. I mean, so right now I travel to Africa at least three to four times every year. Right. And that's part of uh, mainly because I want to be directly involved in my projects. 
Now, when it comes to the issue of finding the right people to work with, um, my brother also is in Africa right now. He actually graduated from Penn State, moved straight to Nigeria after graduation because he also has passion for the continent. Um, so we have, you know, reputable people overseeing our projects in uh, Nigeria. And my brother moved from Nigeria to Rwanda to manage our um, ride-sharing initiative out over there. But essentially, you know, if anybody's looking to do business in Africa, you can't do so remotely, right? In other words, you can't be in the United States and expect to run a successful operation overseas without you being visible you know, in whatever project you're running over there. And, you know, you have the ride sharing, but you also have, you know, the, the, the ride sharing is for the, the vehicles, um, correct? And you also have the scooters and the bike rentals like we see in every other, every other city here in America. Yeah, so the ride, so ride sharing in Rwanda is a little bit different because we are not operating with vehicles. We're operating with um, electric motorcycles. Um, so Rwanda's major transportation uh, system is mo uh, motorcycles, right? That's their primary mode of transportation. So we were able to key in from that aspect as a means to help re uh, redefine transportation in Rwanda rather than going through the, um, you know, the, the vehicle model like Uber, Lyft, and so on. So we kind of added like a little bit of unique twist to that. Okay. And, and the vehicles are, are the, the vehicles are one thing, but I think I saw like a scooter um, as well. Didn't you guys have the, the powered scooters as, um, as well? And are those already available? Yeah, we have, so we, so they're, they're, we run, we have several operations in Rwanda. So let me kind of break it down for clar uh, clarification purposes. We have the scooters. So if you're, you know, if you're in the United States, if you're, if you're familiar with Bird, Lime, and the likes, we have the scooters. We have the electric bicycles, which is also similar to um, if you're familiar with Jump, which is owned by Uber. You're familiar with um, Lime, Lime bikes um, owned by, you know, Lime. So we also have that type of system in place. In addition to that, we now have electric motorcycles right, which also operates like, um, you know, the, the, uh, the rights operates this ride sharing model. So essentially what we're doing is we're introducing new forms of transportation in Rwanda because part of their goal as a country is to move from emission-based transportation into more of electric mode of transportation. And that's how we've been able to work with, uh, partner with the government to help facilitate that. Okay, and are the are the bicycles are they already available? Like, if someone goes to Rwanda, can they already jump on your bicycle? Say that again. Are the are the uh, the bikes and the scooters are they already available? If somebody want, if they're in Rwanda, can they are they already using um, the Guru Ride? Correct. Yeah, we have limited bikes right now. I, our goal was to actually officially launch in uh, in April. Now, we have uh, very limited bikes right now. Um, our goal was to uh, April um, 2020 this year. But due to the pandemic, we've been, you know, um, right now, all of our, all our, all our operations have been on Horton Rwanda due to the lockdown. Um, so officially in June, we should be kicking off with um with our ride sharing with the bicycles as well as 
um, a motorcycle transportation business model as well. Now, when you're doing this project, what gave you the insight to know how to run this? Did you used to work at Uber, Jump, Bird? How did you get your, you know, your, the, these things that are new to even big cities? I'm in Seattle. I've seen these for, you know, a few years. But when I go to maybe a love up Texas, people say, what, what do you mean? Where are the jump bikes or the bird bikes? So there's right. even places in America who, who don't have this. So, how, you know, where did you get your game from? So I think what made it a lot easier for us was that, you know, before going into Rwanda, we were able to study the country. And we noticed that part of the country's goal was to move from emission-based transportation into more electric. So, of course, being exposed in the United States, seeing what's going on, we looked at the business models that were already working, right? And we looked at how can we take this and fit it into the African market? Once again, you know, here you're talking about Uber where you're using your car, but in, in a place like Rwanda, that's not necessarily their primary mode of transportation, right? So we now looked at how can we use the same business model and, um, and, and replicate it with a different type of mode of transportation. And that's what we came up with the motorcycles that were not just any type of motorcycles, electric motorcycles, right? which the government, mainly the president, is now working on transitioning all the current motorcyclists to using electric motorcycles, um, which is part of their vision as a nation. So, you know, in essence, we just looked at what was already working. We took that concept and replicated it to the African market. Well, the people out here on, on Diversified Game Business Podcast, they say they want to I can hear them already. But where did the brother get the capital? I mean, you know, where, where did they find the bike? Um, you know, how do you even start something like that? If I want to do this in Kentucky, not to speak of, you know, being in Rwanda, like how, how are you guys VC funded angel investors are just, you know, massive hustlers who just, you know, you don't stop until you find what you're looking for. Uh, what I'm leaning more towards your third option. Um, we don't have any VCs. Um, we've had quite a number of people reach out to us, but one of our, you know, goal is to retain ownership of our company and also control. Um, because once you start getting into the VC, not to say that we won't need them at some point, but we want to be at a point where we have full control of how we operate and be, and mainly because we understand the market that we're in. Right. So from a capital standpoint, we have raised um well we have used a lot of our own personal you know everybody had to come to the table with something significant so we've done that we've also leaned on friends and family who can chip in you know um you know a couple of thousands here and there so you know like i said it's been more so just seeking funds every other way outside of going the route of venture capitalists um at this moment or angel investors well I, I i applaud you for that one because the vultures you know definitely once they get on board they don't leave and you know i i'm uh, i'm in seattle where you, it's easy to find it and it's the reason why people come to this city but um that you were able to do it on your own were the with the you know the scooters and the bikes did you buy that stuff from China and ship it from China? 
Or were you taking maybe Uber's, you know, leftovers? Maybe they ordered too many and then, you know, shipped it from America over to Rwanda. Yeah, that's a very, that's a very great question. Every single one of our uh, uh, equipment is customized for the African market. Now, anyone who enters the African market, you know, with any type of, especially Rwanda, right? So I'll give you an example. When we first went to Rwanda, um, going on two years now, we had our own idea of how things would work, right? We had, we already had, you know, dozens of bikes already customized for the market. But once those bikes entered the market, we realized that those bikes were not, cannot operate in the country, mainly because Rwanda is a very hilly country, right? So if you, if your bike is not strong enough, you can't necessarily operate that type of business model, right? So in essence, every single bike that we have from our scooters to our bicycles, to our motorcycle, our motorcycles, have been designed mainly for the Rwanda market, not even just, uh, not, not the entire African market, but customized for the market that we're in. And, you know, and those are some of the things that you'll find out during your R&D phase, you know, to see how you can really grow and maximize your business in a, you know, in a country like Rwanda. Okay, so were they made then in Rwanda? No, they were not made in Rwanda. Everything's coming from overseas, but we assemble, we're assembling them in Rwanda. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, U.S. standards. You can say made in. You know how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> the tag on the shirt. <laughs> right. No doubt. Made in USA. We know where it came from. Yeah. 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 You know, it's just, I'm a PR guy and a consultant, so I just gotta throw that out there because mm-hmm. you know that's just the way business works. And people say made in America all the time, and they're lying. Um, you know, but um, but no, that's that's awesome. With all these, you know, different businesses and you're uh, either an owner, co-founder, you know, how do you manage which business you're going to give time to? Um, I, I think it boils down to having the right people on your team, right? So take, for example, with our projects in Rwanda, um, my partners literally moved to Rwanda, right? So they are more on board with the operations. I have my own part that I play. But they, they are really hands-on in a day-to-day operation. So that kind of helps me not to be as, as involved as they are because I have other things going on. Uh, same thing with our projects in Nigeria. We have um, a very trustworthy, efficient manager managing our operations. But once again, I still visit you know, frequently just to see what's going on. Um, you know, we do video calls. We get constant updates even though I'm not present in these different countries. So essentially like you having efficient team members who are smart, intelligent and know what they're doing kind of helps alleviate a lot of the pressure on me as an individual. Well, not having, you know, venture capital and um, having, you know, family as angels, how do you then, you know, make sure you're getting your money um, and the fair percentage, because that's the biggest thing I've always heard that would never work because somebody's going to steal from you. And I say, you know what? Someone's going to steal from you here, <laughs> you know, at some point if you're doing enough business. But right. How, what are some of the things that you do to, you know, um, make sure that you're getting your fair share? 
I mean, I think, you know, so with, um, with our projects in Rwanda, we all have um, a certain percentage of the company, right? So I think that kind of alleviates that, um, you know, so everybody knows what's coming to them. Everybody knows um, the kind of control they have over the company. And then with our project in, in Nigeria and pretty much other projects that we're involved in, it boils down to you taking care of your people. You know, one of the challenges that Africans have is that mainly those who are trying to do business in Africa, they, they don't take care of their people. And when you don't take care of your people and you're not present, that is the easiest way for you to be a victim of getting scammed or duped because now you're being taken advantage of. So for us, I mean, for example, my, um, our farm manager in Nigeria, I mean, we got him a place to stay. We're taking care of his rent. Um, bought him, you know, got him his own motorcycle. We're paying him salary. So when you do those type of things to take care of your staff who are actually managing your business, they'll be more willing to make sure that the business succeed because that's how they're eating, right? So it boils down to you understanding how things work in Africa, right? And I've always told people that there's certain things you should know how to do before you enter any African market to do business. And those who, um, who don't know these things or those who don't take the time to study these markets are the ones who usually fall victims of, you know, different scams and things of that nature. I love to hear that because I'm one of those when in Africa overpay, you know, overpay the drivers. People say, nah, you don't have to pay that. Pay that just because we don't want to hear any stories. I don't want to hear any of Sophia in London and Kimowa. You know, stories about <laughs> pay, pay the extra because what is the extra? How much are you saving? I have a um, family member who told me, um, you know, massage out here in America, $60 an hour at best. That's, you know, at best, you know, full massage. I was getting a massage. I said I paid maybe 30 um, in Cameroon. Family member said, you paid too much. I said, huh? He said, wait till you go to Ethiopia. And I paid like 11, right? Very nice place. And I said, okay, I see that. I see what you're saying. But what is $30 compared to the 30 I saved when I'm, you know, in America? Right. And then when I pay, then when I pay 11, I'm really feeling like I never want to leave. Like I want to, you know, I don't want to leave because I'm paying 11, but I could even pay 20. I mean, because you can always tip people, you know? Yeah. And I'm just talking and so, and the same thing in, in, in Kenya, you know, because it, it, my, my body's full of bull riding football and all types of crazy stuff. So I have to, um, I have to do those things, take care of the body. So let, let me ask you, 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 got, you have your businesses. How much time do you put in your business? Because you also have three children and a wife. How do you manage all that? I wake up very early. <laughs> um, you know, I think that that plays a very important role because when you wake up early and you have goals, you're able to accomplish more in a day or more in the morning than most people do the entire day, right? So most of the things that I need to do from a father's standpoint, when I wake up early, you know, I do my daily devotion, um, do my daily devotion with my children, bathe them, give them breakfast um, in the evening. When I'm, you know, when I have more time, you know, we can read a book or do something like that. You know what I mean? Um, and then with my wife, she also owns her own bakery business. So when it comes to creating content, I'm able to also create time for that. 
right? Even right now, as we're doing this video, I have to run um, to hop on this because I was helping her creating con to create content in the house. So I think when we understand like some of the most important things in life, it helps us to give more time to those things. You know, and the, the privilege that I have is that most of our operations overseas does not require me to be present 100% of the time, right? If I didn't have my brother and my other partners in Rwanda, then I know for a fact that the business cannot succeed unless I'm there, you know, 100% of the time. You know what I mean? So to me, it boils down to priority, man. Okay. And do you have a daily task um, list of things that you are going to do when you wake up? Because oh, you yeah. also have business here and share and talk about that business too, because folks will be inspired. I know I am. And I, and I just love it because I, I, you know, I have two and not three children. So I say, Oh man, maybe three is the ticket to having, you know, so much going on even overseas. There's the magic. Yeah, so we, we also run a staffing, um, staffing business here. It's more like a family operation that we run here. Um, so that actually takes a bulk of my time, of course, being that I'm in the United States. And when you're in the staffing industry, it requires a lot of, um, it, it requires your presence, right? So once I leave my house in the morning, I head up to the office um, and then the, the, um, the daily routine starts from there, you know, but like I said, for me, I'm able to get enough done in the morning that even when I'm away, you know, I don't feel as guilty, um, you know, when I return late at night, you know what I mean? Then when I come back home at night, I still have 30 minutes an hour to spend time with the children and wifey before we call it a day. Okay. With, with all this going on, when is your book going to come out? Uh, which one? Any whatever book you know, I mean, you have a you have a, a few books in you at least, but you know when people want to hear the the story in your own words, when can they purchase the book on Amazon? Okay, well, right now I do have two books on Amazon. My third book was just launched. That'll be on Amazon. Well, the the ebook version is already on Amazon. Um, the paperback will be on Amazon by Monday. Um, so my first book is 21 Habits of Highly Broke People. Um, my second book is uh, Side Gig Money, 101 Ways to Make Money Without Quitting Your 9 to 5 Job. And my recent book that I just launched is titled How Poor People Think. Um, how to, you know, 23 Ways to Rewire Your Mind from Poverty Mentality to Abundance Mentality. Um, and then my fourth book is coming out in the next two months, a title Rich Kid. Um, so as far as like a book re related to my story per se, I don't know when that's coming out yet. Um, but most of the books that I write are based on experiences that I've had from my travels, um, from what I've seen, interviewing people, reading books and things of that nature. So they're all pretty interesting books. Okay, you see, you guys have to get these books and, and set it up. I just felt the brother had books in him. And so, you know, you have not because you asked not, but he already has the books to help you, you know, get, get motivated. With all the, your success, how um, impactful has having a good wife been for you? Oh, man, I think, yo, I, I don't even think anybody can do anything to the magnitude that I'm trying to do without having an excellent wife, right? Um, 
And I think that's what a lot of us miss. We, we pursue everything else at the expense of our family. You know, and when I sometimes I sit back and I just realize that, you know, if you take everything else away from me, if you leave, with, if you leave me with my family, I'm all right. Right. I, and I think those are the a family is the most important thing anybody can ask for. Right. And my wife has been extremely supportive. She prays, um, you know. Honestly, man, without my wife, you know, and I'm not saying this because uh, to sound like a cliche because everybody says it, but without the support of my wife, um, I don't think I can do or accomplish half the things that I'm doing right now. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I like, I like to get that insight. You meet so many, you know, single guys who think they're doing something and it's like, if you had a good woman and you'll have people, you know, if you're coming from a culture where bride price is a requirement, people will say, Oh, but I don't have the bride price. But you say, Hey, but your wife is an American who, you know, she, she might be an Italian-American or whatnot. Right. She knows, nothing, she knows nothing about that. You're making excuses. There's no perfect time if you have the right wife, um, you know, to make that plunge. Um, you have to be ready. With your success, what does your community give back that you are doing or that you want to do in the future? Um. So right now, you mean, so you're talking more from a, uh, corporate social responsibility standpoint right i'm talking about whichever give back you feel that you know is passionate to your heart there's no rules in this gotcha okay so i think for me you know one of the reasons why i am highly passionate about africa and why we're doing what we're doing in africa is because it is underdeveloped and mainly because we have a lot of leaders who are not passionate about developing their people. You know, I always say that any, any African in America um, is lucky to be here because our parents were fortunate to have the opportunity to come here. And I see a lot of people that once they come to America, they lose their identity of where they're from. All of a sudden, they're Americanized and they forget where they're coming from, giving back. And for me, my passion is not to live here for the rest of my life but i want to be able to as i'm doing now i go at least four times a year you know where we have staff on our payroll that we're paying every month and for me i want to be able to do more for my people than those who are actually in nigeria when i'm, t- I'm talking about leaders right um so our goal is to number one continue to employ more people continue to empower people financially and teach financial literacy right and these are some of the things that I do every time I go back home. I'm always having seminars, um, you know, when I travel, um, you know, even funding businesses. Those are some of the things that I do. I fund quite a number of businesses um, back home because I want people to be able to, um, to be independent and not dependent on the government, which is why majority of people in Africa are in poverty because they rely so much on the government to meet their needs. No, that, that, that's beautiful. And, and I'll just say again, stories like yours um, inspire because one of my goals, people I always ask, oh, what's your monetary goal? I say, you know, more than a monetary goal, I'd like to have businesses in Africa that can cut me a check, you know, Every month, I make him minimum $3,000 a month, short term, because there's different phases. Because I know at $3,000 a month, in most places, unless I'm on like Lakey Island or something, uh, I'm going to be all right. You know, right. 
I, 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 I'm going to be all right. I'm going to have everything that I need and that I can really just um, not retire, but kick back. But to have businesses here, to be there, if, you know, America, anything can happen between countries, you, wherever you want to be, you want to be able to make some money. Um, so I, I love to hear stories like yours. Folks, I can't keep him for as long as I usually keep a guest. As you see, he's in the car. The three kids, they always need something. Wife always needs something. He has businesses. He's got to run. But I appreciate you, Dupo, for coming on. Pleasure. Yeah, man. Uh, and we'll, we'll definitely, you know, stay, stay in contact. You guys like, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. His links will be in the description box. If you hit him, hit him about some official business or to give him some praise, but just know that he doesn't have a lot of time, so make sure you are ready to talk money. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.